0: Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as community, or to financially support Neighborhood, go to NeighborhoodChurchMN.org. Enjoy the message. All right. I think I'm confident in saying we're the only church in the world that plays Amarilla by Morning by George Strait during church. You're welcome. Man, I love that song. I love that song! I forgot to say, before we get into the message, um, we do have, um, we replenished our merch that you can take for free if you want to throw it on your car or your mug. Um, you don't have to come to a class to get these. They're sitting right out there. And we got um, our new pens, which I've heard from many, from thousands of people, that is the best church pen they've ever, ever had. So feel free to take uh, as many as you'd like and throw them around the office, all right? You're, you're welcome to do that. So, we are in our series called uh, Mystery and Wonder. And the whole purpose is that there's many ways of thinking about God. And the way you think about God really, really matters. And one of the ways we um, are informed of the nature of Christ and who God is is through the Bible. And there's a lot of ways of interpreting the Bible. And for the last couple weeks, we've been going through um, looking through the lens of certainty. And when you are fighting for certainty... You are, you are choosing, and everyone interprets it their own way, but you're choosing of saying, this is true. Therefore, all the things aren't true. And when you have to have certainty, the things that you can move around um, or the things that you can reject because they don't fit in your system, we, we do this all the time. Certainty demands that everything has to work, everything has to fit. And a way of thinking about that theologically is people use the word um, inerrancy of the Bible. The Bible has no errors. Uh, Newsflash has a lot, but, and then that it's infallible, that it never fails. And I can get behind the infallible. Um, but when you say it never fails and it has to uphold the way I see God or the way I see communities or people or love, then you can actually, like, reject the other things. Like, I want to tell better stories than that, right? Like, if you hold a place of certainty, you're, you're not moving a place of wonder and mystery. And that's the whole reason we're doing this series. Because if you move in a place of mystery and wonder, then someone who's different than me, someone who has a different lived experience, someone who worships differently, someone who thinks differently, is not a threat to me. Everything's an opportunity. Because mystery and wonder and curiosity move us, helps us progress and evolve into fuller versions of ourselves, And that's the story I want to tell. Now, uh, I have to give a trigger warning right in advance i don't always do this i should probably do it more often actually um we're going to be talking about a passage and an interpretation of that passage um that has been used against people um for a long long time and so everyone here right everyone who's everyone who's listening right we are the biggest fans of the real fullest version of yourself and we wildly celebrate how you move in this world and how you believe and how you love and how you express that love. There's me some words I'm using um, that more conservative um, uh, views of thinking and words that they might use, um, not as a statement of what we believe, but as a way to maybe think wider and bigger about that. But I'm going to be using some words that maybe people have used against you, especially if you're queer, um, that m- might might uh, be a little hard to hear. And so I'm just saying up front that we are a radically inclusive space and everyone gets to be their fullest self. So on that note, um, this week there was a, um, a tragedy. There was a, a woman by the name of Laura Ann Carleton, and she owned her shop in California and she had a um, pride flag, right? Did you hear about this? Yeah, she had a pride flag, and an older white man saw it and did not like it. Did not like it all. They got in an argument and um, accused her of grooming, like things that maybe you've heard before. And um, she did not apologize. And he ended up taking her life because she displayed a pride flag, which is um, evil, right? It's horrible. And on his social media, he posted um, how he was a Christian and how he loved God and um, how there had to be justice, Right? And um, he had a Bible verse on there um, that when I read, I'm like, we have to talk about this. We just have to. It would not be, I feel like it would not be responsible for me to not speak on this. And I, spoke, I have spoken on this before I don't remember, because I don't remember what I spoke about last week. Might have been like three weeks ago. So if it's again, buckle up. You're welcome. Um, um, but to me, this is, this is a verse, um, I don't want to say it's misinterpreted. But it, it's, it's been deemed as a way of believing. And once I, and I don't remember who taught me this, I really don't, um, but once I heard what they were talking about, I could never unhear it again, right? And this verse that this man quoted was uh, John fourteen six, which says uh, Jesus is um, talking to disciples and he says, hey, guys, uh, big news. I'm going to go away for a little bit, and I'm going to make some room for everybody, uh, but don't worry, I'm coming back, and you know how to find me. And uh, one guy goes, um, which is typical to the disciples, like, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do, right? Uh, We won't know where to find you. And then Jesus uh, reminds them, and he says, "Um, hey, guys, pump the brakes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And anyone who wants access to God has to go through me, right? And then he goes on after that. And he's telling them, like, if you've seen me, you've seen God, right? This is where we get the term, we have a Jesus-looking God. And he goes, you know God because you know me, right? And then he goes on and says, and you're going to do some wildly crazy things, things even bigger than me, even greater than what I've done. He's, like, actively telling people to go do good and beautiful things in this world. But the way that this verse has been used, especially by um Conservative evangelicals, which is where I, my undergrad came from, um, that kind of thinking. I worked in a very evangelical, conservative evangelical church for a long time, and in no way, shape, or form, form am I mocking people who hold a conservative evangelical stance. I don't say that enough. I really don't. Um, and I'm not tying evangelicals, that every evangelical is going to do or think what this man did. Right? No way I'm saying that. What I'm saying through this verse... Is it if you are certain about it and you believe it, it can give permission to do violent, horrible things, thought or deed, because they would say when Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life, and anyone wants to have access to God has to go through me, they take that literally, and they pull some verses from um, John three that you have to be born again, right John 316. Uh, And then they pull some um, language from Paul, like justification um, and salvation, um, and it ties it to a belief. And so they would say, oh, Jesus is saying that he's the way, the truth, and life. If we want access to God, we have to go through Jesus. And the way you go through Jesus to get to God is you have to be born again. You have to be saved. And how do you do that? You have to say the salvation prayer, right? And that prayer would go through something like uh, Jesus lived a perfect life. I am a wretched sinner, right? And I'm in desperate need of being saved. And so since Jesus died on the cross, I believe that his blood washed away my sins, and now I am regenerated with this new spirit, right? And I'm a new creation because Jesus rose from the dead. My payment has been paid, and I am clear. And I don't even think that is um, inherently bad in and of itself. I really don't. Um, There's people who found great meaning in saying that prayer, um, we did it with two of our kids. Sorry, Kira. <laughs> we did it with two of our kids, and it was really, um, it was beautiful. It really was. There's just one problem with this. There's many problems with this, is that we have turned Jesus into a bouncer, right? Right? We have an exclusive God if this this way of thinking is true. Because it'd be like, um, if you want to get into Club God, right, in the back, right, and you're like, I really want to get in there. Club God sounds lit, right? And like, you start doing your dance moves like, hey, ladies, what's up? And you were like, all right, Jesus, time to go into Club God. And Jesus is like, oh, my man, it's not that easy, right? You have to pass this test. Did you really say the right words? Did you really believe that it did that, Right? Because that's the way that I was taught. And the way I taught other people is you have to get people to make a decision for Christ. And if you do those things, then Jesus is like, hey, here you go, man. Party on. Right? And you walk in, I love doing that. Right? But you really do have an exclusive God. There's some people who can pass the test. There's some people who can get it right. But that also implies that there's a lot of people who don't get it right. And, like, one way of thinking about that is, like, what about people who never hear the word of Jesus? What about the people who are born... When Jesus, was, you know, newsflash, um, Jesus was not white and did not live in Renshaw, right? Jesus, <laughs> what? Tony, I'm out of here, right? Um, Jesus it was a, a brown Jewish rabbi who lived, right, in the Middle East. And so all the other people have never heard the words of Jesus, right? What about them? They want to get in the club, God? And they got their clothes on, and they don't have access, right? It, when you limit it to a doctrine, you limit it to a belief you are creating two tiers of humans, right? You really are. And I would, again, using words, um, in this way of thinking, this conserved way of thinking, um, they would say, well, we are all sinners in need of a a good God. But funny, when you find certainty, when you say, this is what's good, this is what's bad, this is what's celebrate, and this is what's tolerated, and we don't say that out loud, and this is what we reject, they get to pick what those sins that are tolerable are, right? And they'd say, oh, man, you know, I'm just uh, working out my salvation. And they'd be like, all right, Jerry, yeah, I'll be your accountability partner. I got you, man, right? They will, they will tolerate that. They will celebrate that, that you can be an imperfect person, right, and live in a sinful lifestyle, but as long as it's one of the sins that they decide, right? Then there's a whole other thing's sins, and I'm using that word lightly, um, other sins that they never even mention, right? This would be um, greed, right? Like capitalism, right? Can foster greed. Really, really good. Gluttony, right? You can use um, racism. <laughs> That's a big one. How about welcoming the stranger, right? That is a huge, huge part of the Hebrew Bible is welcome. How about like every seven years? It's the year of Jubilee. We forgive all debts, right? We don't, I, I've tried it with a credit card company. They're hanging behind it, right? I'm like, I'm, a, I'm a, in seminary and so um Right? There's some things that that, that we just are like, oh, that's, that's okay. But if you fall outside of that circle, they would use the word, well, you're living a lifestyle of sin, all right? And what is that? Anything that's different than this group's experience. Anything that's outside of what they deem to be holy, all right? Deem to be normal, or they'd say orthodox, or they'd say, we've been doing this for 2,000 years, or the Bible's really clear. It's like, no, it's like not at all, right? And if you believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God, and someone's living an active lifestyle of sin, what you can do is you can remove their humanity. You can strip the humanity from that person. Why? Because you are in rebellion against God, right? And then they'll use words like Romans 1, uh, 16 through 31. Right? They'll use words of saying, well, you are uh, in rebellion against God, so now I can justify how I treat you, how I talk about you. The things I've seen other pastors say, there's a guy on t- um, Twitter, X, whatever that is, right, um, uh, named Matt Nightingale. He's a great follow, and he is a queer um, pastor, right, who's wildly in love with his husband. And the things that other pastors, I call them Theo bros. yo, Theo, bro, I love God. Right, then the things that they will say about Matt, it blows my mind of how can you hold the words of Jesus and then justify using violent language. I heard one person say, um, when you go to hell, all of heaven will rejoice that there's one less sinner. Right? I'm like, that is insane, right? That there's a group of people who are cheering in heaven and watching people go to hell who, like, that's their form of entertainment, right? Um, That is not a Jesus-looking God, right? That is a group of people-looking God. But when, when you believe that Jesus is the only way to get access to God and there's someone like this lady, right, who is supporting queer people by having a pride in her shop, right, that man can say, I'm doing God a favor by reminding you of how dumb you are, how evil you are. And it justifies it right and when you find certainty in that you feel like you have permission to be toxic and horrible I've seen this with um, sadly with uh, husbands or fathers and the way they talk to their partners because they say no I'm the head of the household if I'm the head of the household that means all of you are beneath me and that gives me permission a, a, a blank check to do whatever I want and what do you say I'm doing it in the name of God right that, that is, that's beyond scary to me, right? That is that is using the Bible to give you permission to do the very things that Christ said not to do. So what's another way of thinking about this then, right? No, and there's lots of ways to think about it, and this is going to, hopefully this is going to blow your mind. Um, uh, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and anyone who wants to the club God has to go through me, another way of thinking about this is Jesus is saying this, like, If you want to find the way, if you want truth, if you want life, do what I do. I am the way. Jesus is saying, the way I show up to parties, the way that I'm thinking about those who have been mistreated, the way that I move to the margins, the way that I dance, the way that I laugh, the way that I help feed people, when you do that, that is where you find heaven. Any time that we love our friend, our neighbor, as ourselves, there is heaven heaven and to me this is what jesus is saying jesus right, right i said it earlier he says you're going to do even greater things to me jesus does not tie it to a doctrine jesus does not tie the kingdom of god or heaven or divine love to a set of beliefs right like jesus wasn't even a christian right write that one down right it's true he's not jesus jesus is a jewish rabbi i mean t- technically i guess we could say t- to this day all right and nowhere in the gospel does Jesus demand loyalty, right? Nowhere does Jesus say, hey, 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 you, 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 you. get on your knees, right? And you better just feel really bad of how sinful you are, you dirty sinner. Jesus never did that, right? Like salvation, Ooh, yep, there it is. Almost swore, won't lie. That's the closest I've ever came to saying a very honest word, um, I like, talking about salvation, right? And, and, and when you're fighting for certainty, believe that Jesus is bouncer Jesus, salvation then is just about your soul. Salvation is just about you having this supernatural act to, so that you at one point can get to some place, somewhere, at some day, right? And what I see with Jesus, Jesus is not talking about heaven being some other reality. Jesus is talking about that um, the kingdom of God is near, as he says in Luke 2, Right? It's about this present reality that heaven is here right now. Heaven's within. Heaven is is currently happening if we're willing to awaken to it, if we're willing to see it and move in it. Salvation in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, was never about a soul, ever. Salvation was tied to the soil. Salvation was a meal. Salvation was a warm place to sleep. Salvation was your debts being canceled. Salvation was someone believing you. And laughing with you and crying with you. We have made salvation this, such a personal, like we, and again, big fan, personal relationship with Jesus. I really do believe that. But if that's where it stays, like what an egotistical God that we have then, right? Salvation tied to people and making life better, making better systems, but then we're telling a way better story. And if it's not, okay, buckle up for this one. And email me if you want to talk more about this or after. And those online, happy for you. So um, um, if it's not tied to a belief, if it's not getting the best of God, club God (laughs) is not tied to doctrine, that means we have not just an inclusive God, we have a wildly inclusive God. It's not tied to a church or a building, right? But if it's tied to within— Everywhere we go, heaven is actively being played out, which means then it's not just tied to Christianity, right? I'm in the Christian stream. Me and JC, we're homeboys, right? I love being a a Christian pastor. There was a time, and if uh, Dylan is watching uh, or listening, uh, there was a time when I was going through my deconstruction where I didn't feel comfortable using the word Christian, right? I just didn't. Why? Because I was letting other people and the way they talked and behaved and what they said and what they did. I'm like, if that's Christianity, <laughs> I want nothing to do with it. I love God, love Jesus, but that label was uncomfortable for me. And maybe there's some other people you feel that you felt that way. Um, and Dylan goes, yeah. And we were talking about Christianity being like a jacket. And like, I'm like, I think I just want to take the jacket off, hang it up on the door for a while. And Dylan said, well, Chris, if you're able to do that, you have the privilege of being able to just check out for a little bit. And Dylan's like, I- I'm interested in telling a better story about what Christianity means. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the pastor. <laughs> right? And Dylan inspired me. And since that day, it's like, no, I want to tell a better story of what Christianity means. Right? I'm not letting other people define that. And so I'm in the Christian stream, but I believe that anytime time you move in love, there's heaven. Anytime you move in love, there's access to God which means um, if you give up a year of your life to move to Eveleth to do healthcare, right, there's the kingdom of God. If you are a Muslim and you feed kids in the neighborhood in the mornings because their their parents have to go to work early, there's the kingdom of God. There's heaven. If you're a humanist and you dedicate your entire life to researching um, cures for cancer, right, and you never once utter the words Jesus, I believe there's the kingdom of God. There's infinite ways of loving God. Now this, this access to heaven and this, this good and beautiful life is not just attached to a prayer or a doctrine. It's tied to what Jesus invites us to do. Simply just love. Simply be. And when you do that, there's the way. Richard Rohr um, uses the word, and he's a Franciscan priest that I quote often. Um, he, he calls it stepping into the flow. And I've always loved that there's there's multiple ways of flowing and he goes this is a stream I'm in of divine love and when you give yourself to that it not just makes like life better for me it makes life better for everywhere I go because salvation then is is all tied to loving my neighbor as I love ourselves so here's my invitation um like, like I said, I've been in such a good mood for the last couple of days, and all it took was my doctor to mock me, essentially, right? But what that also means is that I chose to live in this anxious, very dark world because of I believed that I was bad, because I had needs. I believed there was something wrong with me because... Um, because of what, what happened previously, and then I'm like, this is what I deserve. That That is a story I want to be done with. And that story of being certain that you have to be th- this horrible sinner and thankful that God noticed me, and like, I want to tell better stories. I want to be a part of making all things new. I want to be a part of bringing healing everywhere I go. And the way that I do that is reminding people, before Genesis 3, right, where they ate the apple and the talking snake convinced them to do it, and then they became, you know, sinful people, was in Genesis 1 when God said, this is beautiful, this is good. And I envisioned Jesus saying that to me. I envision the conscious eternal Christ saying that to me. And I want to help remind people everywhere I go that you've always been good and you've always belonged. And when we can do that, there's heaven. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if... Um, maybe at some point you've, you've, you've played the game Bouncer Jesus, right? You're like, <laughs> I forgot to say this. Because if you have Bouncer Jesus and, you, and it's tied to a belief, then J- Jesus could come back in the club God and pull you out and say, sorry, my man, you did it wrong. <laughs> Get back out with the common folk, right? And maybe you felt like that, of like, I have to be a good little boy. I have to be a good little person. And if I make one mistake, angry God comes down. I think there's a, better, there's a better story to be told. So if that's you, I encourage you as I pray to receive that for yourself. Let's pray. So God, we wildly love you. And I thank you for this flow of divine love. And I thank you that what you choose is to love, what you choose again and again and again is to give of yourself. And I'm thankful for it. So I pray for us and um, those who are listening and those who are here, you help us move to a better way of talking about and actually living salvation. That there's not some angry God who is disgusted with me, but there's original blessing, there's original goodness, and we receive that. And I pray that you would use us to bring life and vitality and hope and heaven itself as we go to jobs, we go to schools, as we go out to eat, that everywhere we go, we can move and celebrate this divine love. So Thank you for being so incredibly good. And we love you. Amen. All right. If you want to process, you want to rant, you want to question, I'll be up here. Or if you'd like to pray, I'd be up here. I'd love to connect with you. Have a great rest of your weekend.